Do you do like a clap track or something? No, I just, uh, I just, I just wing it. It's usually pretty easy. Noah Kalina is on the podcast right now. Yeah, that's great. I'm here. (laughs) This might be a slightly different show than some because a lot of the time we sort of like pick a topic and then talk all around it. And we didn't, we didn't really like pick a thing that we're going to talk about, but this is the moment that I can reveal that the, the whole facade, the reason to have a podcast is just so you can invite people that you appreciate to have a conversation with you. And that's totally what happened here. Cause like, Noah, I, I really like your work. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's always fun to talk to people you follow on the internet and, you know, respect each other's work. I, I, since I found you, I've loved seeing what you're up to and, I'm inspired by the stuff you're putting out. It's pretty incredible. I have so many questions about it, but this oh, might well, not be about you. It's more about no, me. Let's go. Let's go oh. both ways. We'll do uh, twenty questions either way. But the, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll also use this as a as a moment to unveil to you, but uh, tell the audience that so often when I like make reference to oh this like photographer on the internet named Noah Kalina, the way I refer to that backwards is I'm like oh it's it's uh, like my favorite photographer for a long time. You've been like the person I'm like, oh, he's the, he's the guy I reference the most for inspiration. So I've always loved your work. And this is, this is really cool. It's a good opportunity for me to get to talk to somebody I've been into for a long time. And I, I first found you from what you have just done recently, and hopefully we talk about a bunch, is your everyday project, which I'm sure is the way a lot of people get exposed to you the first time. And you just did your 20 years of everyday portraits, which is hard to comprehend. Well, thank, first of all, thank you. I mean, that's super flattering um, that you've known of my work and have followed it. I mean, you know, that always makes me feel good. So thank you. Well, actually, I even want to say, so back, it probably was whenever you released the first one, which was, how long ago was that? 10 years, 12 years? 2006 oh. was the first YouTube video. Lifetime. So I know, right? So that's 14 years ago. So yeah, I, and I mean, that when, that video was six and a half years of daily self-portraits. So, you know, I put that up. That was early YouTube. I mean, this is like the history of the internet, essentially. I mean, the internet was such a different place back then. So that was August 2006, something like that. Yeah, I mean, you would have been in the first batch of, like if they make, I'm sure somebody's put together a a book of some kind of like the beginning of memes. Um, You know, you're one of the first viral videos, like you're in the pretty early stages of that. Oh, yeah. Totally. And even YouTube, what, you know, they did like a 10 year birthday thing in 2016, you know, and it was like the 10 years of YouTube. And, you know, they put me in that video. I guess it's referenced as like one of the first early viral videos that I guess exists in the art category. You know, it's not like the, the guy who like, got kicked in the nuts <laughs> viral that's video. Another, that's another art you know, yeah. Like, you know, those were like kind of what was big at that time. The Numa Numa guy. You know, there's so many of those like classic viral videos and then sort of mine came along. Well, it seems like what's changed in viral videos is there's still plenty of Numa Numa in the nuts and a little less uh, <laughs> successful <laughs> art videos. But so it, it, yeah, I get, I don't even watch that much YouTube, so I'm not even all that up on what gets big. I mean, I guess like music, you know, big artists, like music musicians get huge videos, hundreds of millions, if not a billion views, right? 
but I don't know what what these like organic kind of viral videos look like these days. It's just like not something I pay all that much attention to. I think it's really shifted. There aren't there aren't a lot. The, I mean, the fact that your new ones looks. I mean, it's going to be. It kind of already is uh, gone viral. That's not very common anymore. That something uniquely interesting spreads like that. Um, it's really shifted. Like it, it, interesting people to watch to hear them talk about it. Um, and inspirations to me is Corridor. Uh, Corridor Digital, Corridor Crew, which they really got their start with, you know, those um, same types of like, uh, you know, just super viral, like videos that get passed around on Dig and on Reddit and everybody shares it like that. And it's really shifted in because they are still having big videos, but now their their big thing now is their uh, VFX artists react. So they're like analyzing how VFX stuff happens. So just completely different category, different type of presentation, and that's what's happened in YouTube. I mean, it's, it's such a different shape because I think those little viral hits happen more they're more spread out across other networks now, right? There's more of it on Instagram and on Twitter and then Facebook gets reposted by a thousand of those yeah, repost totally. accounts. And Does that happen to yours actually, the stealing of your video and reposting? Yeah, I don't, well, I don't look at Facebook, so I have no idea. I assume someone probably ripped it and just, it's it, it's somewhere on Facebook getting millions of views and I have no idea. But, uh, you know, I, I just I just don't know. One thing that I've noticed, it's like what what a lot of like news media outlets seem to do is they just take a portion of it and then they do the that like text over over the video thing, you know, <laughs> right, like right, right. Um, put their logo on it, like yeah, exactly. And so it's like that's like generating hundreds of thousands of views for themselves, you know, uh, and that. Uh, you know, mayor. It they show enough of the video that no one really is ever going to look at the <laughs> you know the original full length video. They're like, I could really um, use seven more minutes of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it is a good super kit. You know, you get the you get the idea, and it's it's really not like I'm sort of like monetizing a channel or anything. Mm-hmm. So it really doesn't mean all that much to me. Like if it, you know, the video is like I'm missing out on something. If it's played in YouTube, you know. Well, and because I'm not actually very good at hosting a podcast, I should take a step back and uh, describe what we're talking about a little bit more in case not everybody on the planet's already seen it. I mean, the link will be in the show notes, but the, your, your fresh project that you just did that I want, I want to hear the most about is every single day, uh, tell me whether you missed any or not, but for 20 years you took a self-portrait, lined them up in a row, and they just play very, very quickly and there is beautiful piano music playing behind it. And like we said, you, you, you did this one previously, which was very viral. I mean, the, the, the defining fact that you know you are part of the pop culture is that The Simpsons had a homage to it and, and strongly referenced it, which must have been pretty cool when that happened. But Yeah, all of the things you said are true. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the current one... You know, it's 20 years, self-portrait. I started when I was 19 years old, just a really crappy <laughs> early digital camera. It was actually more of a video camera. Um, and this thing, the stills that came out of it were, you know, at its its native resolution or 640 by 480. Mm. So, you know, and it's funny because this video that I uploaded, I actually up everything. So the video does play in 4K. But... Uh, if you were to print them like native, you know, native size, I mean, they're like an inch, 
inch by in, by an inch. So this particular video, it's a little over eight minutes long, and I'm having them run at about 15 frames a second. So, uh, you know, it's kind of amazing to think about, you know, every two seconds is a month. <laughs> so, and it's and it still comes out to be eight minutes long. The earlier videos that I put out were a little slower. I don't totally recall the the frames that I ran it at. In fact, I, I probably just put it in like iMovie in 2006. The default. <laughs> yeah, like, and it's funny, like back then, and the original, you know, the original 2006, six and a half year version of this, like I, I whipped it together in like an hour <laughs> and published it. You know, I like didn't even think anything of it. I didn't think it would really become a thing. I, re- um, I remember when I first saw it, that it really tapped into the thing that, brought me to photography in the first place that I think, especially at that age, you know, I think I was just a little bit younger than you that there's this, I don't know, you, you're just going through all sorts of hormonal stuff. And like, it, I was going through a bit of an existential crisis of like, how do I hold on to anything good? How do I remember that <laughs> this really happened to me? How do I know that I'm alive? How do I, uh, you know, how, how do I grab anything around me and keep it real in the long term because, you know, things fade, people fade, everything changes, and that can really hit you in the feels sometimes, you know, especially when I'm watching Toy Story. But uh, but taking photos was this way to, you know, the, the better I capture it, the higher the quality and the more beautiful the image, the more I'm latching on to this little moment in time, which is a way of thinking I think I've, I've tried to let go of pretty much entirely. I I, I put more of an effort into letting go than into holding on these days, but that document, like really thoroughly documenting something, is such a profound example of this. I mean, it really makes you uh, tangibly see this and like and realize the effect of taking images when you see them compounded over such a long period of time. At this point, does it feel like a profound project to you? Like it, does it speak to you closely or is it still somewhat casual and fun? Or Well, it's it depends on how I'm looking at it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, cause, because I can look at it from a whole, from different perspectives, just in terms of photography and, and living life through photographs because we're, you know, we're photographers and take I take photos of things that aren't just my face. You know, I love having that record and being able to look and looking at old photos like evokes so many things, so many memories and I love having that. I live my life essentially through photographs. And, you know, I'm not someone who really enjoys writing. So it's my, it, it's just always been my preferred medium. So, you know, obviously like looking at this and, you know, looking back now 20 years when I was 19, when I started, if I, I can look at my face and just think about that person, who that person was, but I can also just think about like what was happening and where, where I was and what I was doing and who I was with. So again, you know, again, it's just, there, there's so many ways I can, I can look at it. One of the things I did with the project, other people have done this like daily self-portrait thing, even longer than I have. And oftentimes they're just doing it. It's just their face and it's like a white wall behind them, right? Like it's just, it's almost like a studio shot, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things I wanted to do, and it, it wasn't that I was inspi- inspired or saw something like this and saw a project like it before. And my idea was an original idea. 
Um, it wasn't until later that I saw other people were doing it. But to me, what, what seemed important was to show the environment that I was in. So not all, when you look at this video, you know, you can just watch me, watch my face, watch my hair. <laughs> Your hair does kind of steal the show sometimes as it waves back and forth at you. It, it's probably a good thing that my hair like literally looks different every single day. <laughs> like it's just, it's, I just have crazy hair and I don't really cut it very often. And, you know, so that helps move the video, but it, you can look behind me, like the rooms that I'm in, you know, some people who occasionally make it in the background, the art on my walls. And you can see the time pass, not just in my face, but in the environment that I'm living in. And that also helps me because when, when I watch this video, I can look beyond myself, look at the, where I was and know exactly, roughly uh, what, what I was up to, where I was in my life. And, you know, I find that fascinating and I'm happy to have that record. Well, and a while ago, uh, I'm not sure exactly how, how it was done, but you collaborated in some way with William Wilkinson to make an app as well. That's right. Were you guys working directly together on that? I assume? Uh, no, not exactly. I mean, you know, he he's just one of those guys who I've known on the internet mm-hmm. for a while and he was inspired by my project to make an app that helped people do this project just with yeah. their phone but I had no role in the development of that I just helped him market the first the first iteration well, of it and I did so I did end up using that app and I'm not at all consistent well I don't know I have been consistent about it but I you know I've got like six years under my belt. Oh, you're, this point. Are you, so, you're still doing it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's great. I've, I've still been shooting them as well. That's the th- what I kind of like about it is it's, it's like an art project for anyone. I think it's maybe even most interesting if people do it with their kids, but um, you either can read into it or not as much as you'd like to. And it really, it can matter to anybody that decides to commit to it. Oh, totally. You know, it, what's great about the this project, and I do, you know, I do encourage people to do like obsessive type photo projects. I think it's good. I think it's good practice. It's almost meditative, certainly, if you if you start getting into it and you do it for a while. But you do need to like, if you are going to do a project like this, you need you really need to keep it simple. If it requires lots of setup and something, you know, like you have to be in a certain spot every single day, like it's just not going to happen. The good thing about photographing your face is you're kind you're of there. with yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I knew I wasn't always going to be in the same room my whole life. So what could I shoot that I was I was always going to be with? Well, unfortunately, it was my face. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think we're all we're all better for it. And yeah, it's been fantastic to watch. One other question I had was where the music is from. Well, so the original video, that music was composed by. Carly Commando. She was my girlfriend at the time, and she's a musician. So, uh, so when I put that video together, she she wrote something that song that she calls "Every Day," mm-hmm. um, and that's what we used at the time. It, I mean, it was absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's it really is perfect. I mean, it's it's a lot of um, what gives the tone of the video a. Well, I guess like a memeish, a memeic quality. If there's just EDM pumping behind you, it would not <laughs> yeah. feel it wouldn't live as long. Like we would have all watched it back then and forgotten about it. Whereas I feel like you know this is going to stand up a lot more. It definitely hel- helped. Um, so yeah, that that was great. When I put out 
The second, you know, the follow-up to that one, the the 12-and-a-half-year version, I just, I had a friend just do almost like a noise track. It was just, like, if you go and play that, it's just like, like humming, basically. You know, it's it's just electronic, just hum. And I kind of did that, like, partly because I wanted to, like, separate it from the original video. And at that time, I was, I was mostly just exhibiting that project, like, in galleries. And it was for a show at the time. And I, I, I just didn't really want or feel like I needed the music for that follow-up. So, you know, I used that, you know, and the the, the video was, you know, still in a way went, went viral and had millions of views. But this follow-up that I put out last Monday, um, I asked Carly to write something new. Um, and it definitely references the original music, but it's a it's an updated track. And again, I think it it's beautiful. I think it works great. Um, and it really serves this video and this 20 year marker, which feels really great. You know, the, these, the previous videos were almost random dates, like six and a half years, 12 and a half years. You know, this, this one's like, and it's 20 years. It's like a, it's like an amazing stretch of time, two decades. And now I feel like I'll put a new one out every 10 years. That, that feels right to me. And what's going to be interesting is that even though each one feels really significant to you at the moment, especially the first one probably felt enormous after it took off and you're like, wow, this is the thing I'll be remembered for. But what you'll, in the very long term, uh, you know, 100 years from now, be remembered for is whatever the last one is you do. <laughs> you know, like it'll be the guy that took a photo every day for 70 years. Oh, well, I hope, I hope I can make it that long. If it's 70 years, I'll be 90, so... <laughs> Yeah, I think yeah, I'll be ninety. Well, then, so, um, sorry, I went so short. I should have said eighty. <laughs> who who knows what'll happen? I hope there is a significant amount of time between the video I release release and when I do die, because you know it would kind of be a bummer if I put <laughs> spoil out spoil the project. Yeah, it's like I put out you know in twenty thirty, and then like six months later we had to update it. You know that. That won't be good. I'm going to try to avoid spending the whole time talking about you, although I, I <laughs> want to just keep asking you questions. Let's also just talk a bit about your work. Because this was the thing, is I saw your video. I'm like, oh, like a, a guy had a cool Mimi viral <laughs> idea. And then I went to your website and it's like, oh, this is really legit photography. And there's a lot of very interesting <laughs> like conceptual projects and commercial projects. Yeah. And a lot of what I enjoy about your work is it's very diverse, you know, I'm at your website right now, noahcleaner.com. And if I don't look at your name in the corner and I just click through these, this could be from an agency that's showing off a variety of photographers, not because there isn't a consistent tone to it, but because there's so much different work. Right. There's architecture, there's portraiture, there's, yeah. uh, you know, it's it's really all over the place in a good way. And I, I like that. What is, what is your work photography life like? I, I don't know how to phrase that question, but. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I'm interested in a lot of things. Like, it's hard to label what, you know, when someone asks, like, what kind of photography do I do? It's like, I, I don't even know. I like, you know, my, these days it's like a lot of landscapes and um, and that type of work. But, like, I consider myself, you know, I'm like a generalist. I've been hired to do, like, literally every genre of photography. And I don't know why. I, I guess it's just like, you know, if I, if I'm not working, like, commercially like on a job like I'm just out there just taking photos like trying to make photos that 
are interesting to me. So, you know, that's, that's everything. That's like, that's people I meet. That's a portrait. It's uh, from just like normal people to, to celebrities and, you know, people with profile that I happen to know or like be connected to some way or another to just like traveling and waking up early and trying to just make like an incredible evocative landscape early in the morning. Like that's just like what makes me feel good Mm -hmm. just being out there and just like, to me, I'm never more alive than when I'm like out there getting that shot at that right moment. You know, any pain, any like depression that is in my body just goes away when I'm like searching and finding those amazing photographic moments. Um, And they can, they can be of anything really. Um, So because I'm oftentimes just like out there just trying to working on my personal work, trying to find myself in a way, you know, although I never really say that um, through photography, people have discovered my work and enjoy my work. And I just get calls from different magazine, you know, it starts with magazines really. And then it's sort of, uh, Somehow my work ends up at agencies and uh, I get bigger commercial things. It's just this sort of organic flow that has happened, but really just through like self-assigning things for me to do. Um, But that said, it is a blessing and a curse to be a generalist in photography because Mm. um, I'm not a fashion photographer, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not a portrait photographer. So unless people really truly are familiar with the scope of my work and what what I'm capable of doing. I I often don't get hired a lot because I'm not that standard like, oh yeah, definitely we need a portrait. He's the go-to guy hire. for He's the X. guy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's so often so, what people want is they want to see that you've done exactly the thing they're hiring you for before. <laughs> can, I, can I you recreate you know, that? I was just up for this worldwide campaign for a pretty big company and you know, had calls with the art director and he loved me because we worked on another project together and my photos were in the comp. They had lo- laid out the logos. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this this is totally perfect for me. These photos look amazing. Like, yes, I can't wait to do this. And then I got a call from the producer and she was like, they, they went with someone else because he had exactly what the client wanted yep, in yep. his portfolio. So, yep. you know, it's, it's a, it's a total bummer, you know, cause those jobs, I don't love to work, <laughs> mm-hmm. obviously, you know, like I'd just rather be making my own art projects all the time, but those gigs, like those big gigs, like not only do they pay well and like, obviously we need money to live, but mm-hmm. like they, they do open the door, you know, the, cause this w- was going to shoot, I think this was going to shoot in Vancouver or something. Oh, I get to go there, see that city again. And like, you know, and then maybe I'll see, find something there that is interesting to me and I'll make my own, my personal work along the way. Those jobs, like I love getting them because they like just open the doors to so many other things. So unfortunately that didn't happen. So it's a bit of a bummer, but that that's like 90% of the time. I mean, for every nine jobs I'm offered, seriously, or for every 10 jobs that I'm offered, only one comes through. Well, and anybody so. that does a type of creative production as work, has to deal with that balance of how much are you doing this for some sort of self-fulfillment and to feel like you've made something that you love and that you're proud of and you want to look back on and how much are you actually doing it 
as just as a job, just because you know you'd rather be doing this than mopping floors. And you know, I've always I've always leaned a little more towards uh, the photography being a commercial endeavor for me, um, and because I just hearing you talk about it as well, I can tell that people have different emotional connections to this kind of work. I have a really direct line of uh, of my like emotions tied to film and uh, especially film and music together. Like those, those are the things that can like reach inside me and, you know, make me cry. But photography doesn't have that really deep link to me, which is why I think I've always been just okay treating it much more as like, this is just a job and I'm just here to make the thing look good for the person that I'm, I'm working with. Whereas the, you know, working on film and video is much more of something I would, I have that right. closer relationship with. Like you would make a film. Yeah, if you it, could. It, exactly. Yeah, like, like a narrative film. Yeah, that would be. That's what would really make me have those feelings you were just talking about when you walk out and to, you know, try to to take the perfect picture. And yeah, yeah, just it's interesting how it's different for everyone. Oh, totally. Well, one thing is, I did go to art school and I went specifically for photography. Right. And well. I didn't really know it when I chose to do that when I was in high school. You know, like you get into photography and it's fun and, you know, you know, I'm kind of dumb, so I'm not exactly going to go to Harvard. You know, I'm not going to go to like a real school. You know, art school seemed like the right thing to do. Um, but then, you know, here, there I am in art school and like it wasn't a total, you know, while while there were commercial classes where you learned how to become a commercial photographer, uh, which I took because... What I did like about photography was, you know, there's an artistic component, but there is also a legitimate way to make a living doing it. Um, when I got into the art, the history of art and photography, you know, especially photography since 1960, like contemporary art photography. And I truly believe like when done right and done correctly, a photograph that you'll see in a, a gallery or a museum by certain artists it's like to me the the best art when done correctly it just blows me away it's like what i aspire to um so that's kind of what's in my mind you know when i'm out there sort of just shooting for myself um photography is high art um so you know that's what keeps me there and like you know i i certainly love film i mean so so many films inspire me and my work but these days, like photographers get asked to shoot, you know, film mm-hmm. or like shoot shoot B roll or whatever on the shoot. <laughs> Can you um, just throw some B roll in there for yeah, us? Yeah, exactly, just exactly. Flip it to video mode, which is so frustrating, you know, for so many reasons. You know, I like doing that, and I and I have been asked to direct a couple commercials, but it's that process. It's just so different for me. It's so hard for me. I, I don't know. I let, with photography, there's this solitary pursuit. You know, I can be, I don't, I don't need anyone. It can just be, it's just me and my camera and a tripod and I can go anywhere and just be nimble. Like film just requires so much production. Mm-hmm. It's just not my, nat, my natural go-to. Well, and somebody else you've collaborated with that's also just goes into my category of one of my favorites at what they do is Adam Lissagor. He has kind of messed around on a few projects and... Yeah, I, I don't know. I just wanted to, to mention that I really like those little videos you guys did together. Oh, totally. I mean, Adam is amazing. He's he's just a genius. I love him. I mean, yeah. we we met through Tumblr 
you oh. know, just like admired each other's work on there. And I don't know. The, did you see that video that we made where the dueling cameras? <laughs> yeah, I only saw it pretty recently, actually. I, I don't I don't know how I just stumbled on it, but I, I saw it a few weeks ago. Yeah, good. I mean, that was li- like the, literally the first day we met. So like, um, you know, it was like, oh, let's ha- let's hang out and like let's make a video together. But you know, he did the editing on that. I mean, the guy, you know, we we have worked on a few projects together. We did the everyday app video together, mm-hmm. and he has much more of a film background, and he edited those videos. And I mean, he's just like he's just an artist in the edit. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of amazing watching him do that. Was just like blew my mind. I never thought like editing could have personality. Yeah, if I can just compliment Adam for a moment or two. I mean, it's just this really complete approach to it. It's because so much of what most of us come to to filmmaking with or photography or whatever is we we have an angle. Like uh, for me, you know, I, I end up thinking a little too much technically about how I'm going to pull this off and what lights I'm going to bring in and what lens I'm going to use and like all the the sort of technical details and get a little carried away with it and, and not thinking as much about what's on the other side of the camera or other people are the same. They don't want to hear about the tech. They just want to work on the, the visuals. And then there's of course, just like the, the story of it. And what are you, what are you telling people and what's the point? And I just feel like the things he puts out, check all those boxes so well, like the idea is brilliant and much better than anything I've ever thought of, but then it's technically executed really well. Um, yeah, I just wanted to say I, I, I really like what he does too. Yeah, no doubt. And look at him now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. King of the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But in terms of technical stuff, what? how do you approach photography? Like, do you care much about cameras? Do you uh, think hard about the gear you're going to use? Or is it just a tool that is in your bag? Well, certainly, you know, I'm not, I'm definitely not a gearhead, that's for sure. But it's obviously a very important component to the process. It's funny because, like, if we look at every day, like when I started that project, and I, I was saying, like, the digital photos on it were six forty by four eighty. I mean, digital photography still wasn't even really a thing. Um, I was shooting film at that time. My main camera in that era in school was like a Mamiya six four five. I just loved medium format. And then once I graduated, like digital photography, you know, it was definitely becoming more of a thing. And I, I got the first like Canon. 5D, I, I guess. I, I became a much better photographer once I fully embraced digital just because I always had computers. So I could always just like shoot something and put it on the computer and just learn really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, instead of like waiting for the lab. What did I get? I don't know. We'll find out in a week when it comes back from the lab. Um, just the that quick, immediate ability to see what I was making like really changed how I worked. And I kind of went f- fully in on that. I was never like, like I, I didn't really like covet gear or anything. I just used kind of w- what I thought was good at the time. And eventually, like as my career went on, like I moved into medium format digital. I found like I saw the phase one. And once I saw that, I was like, I really need to like move into this system just because. Everyone has a 5D. Everything looks the same. It just felt like everything was looking the same. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to like step up my gear, like make photography. And if I was going to come over, I was, I was finding on like editorial shoots, I'd go and photograph someone and they'd look at my camera and they'd be like, oh, you know, my subject. 
and they'd be like, "Oh, I have that same camera." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, my, oh, that my wife has that camera, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, "Oh, you know, that's that's cool." Yeah, you know, me too, and I'm the professional here. I just need a big box to hide my 5D in that like looks like <laughs> a, a Hasselblad. Or... Yeah, I'm. You know, maybe if well, if, well, if we think back, like at like when photography used to be this like meaningful event, mm-hmm. right? You know, some guy with like this big camera would show up and he'd put a cloth over his, you know, his head and like this thing that was special. And then digital really erased a lot of that, you know. I I was just watching The Crown, which has a bunch of scenes of photographers. They just sort of show photo shoots going on and seeing the those studio setups or, you know, the modern representations of it. Yeah, it feels so much more romantic and uh, you know, when they're just walking around with a little Leica and that's doing journalism, it's like everything about it just feels so much classier. And now when I walk around with a big, junky, normal digital DSLR, it's just so, I don't know, like it's so blunt and intrusive and unattractive. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and I'm talking about the gear that I like now. I, I like this stuff and I also kind of hate it, so... Yeah, I, well, it's total. I mean, totally. And none of these cameras are perfect either. What are you, you know, shooting f- mostly? Like, if I just look at your um, your overview section, of your site, are these mostly yeah. on any one camera, or are they? Yeah, right? that, I would say that's probably ninety nine percent phase one. Okay. And now I shoot with the IQ three three sixty back. I started with the P sixty five plus, and I mean, you know, I'm considering like that. You know, they have new, new ones now, XF one hundred or something. I don't necessarily, I don't want, I don't really even need, even though I print big, I don't even think I need a hundred megapixels. <laughs> no, very so, few people. So do. yeah. And, um, you know, and don't even get me started on storage and what we had to do for that. So, <laughs> yeah. um, well, I'm, I'm planning to take a phase for a spin in a, in a few weeks here. So I'll ask you questions once I have one. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's it. Like oftentimes it's like a Ferrari basically. You know, but I'm often just taking it to the grocery store. Yeah. You know, like I just don't need this. Ca- this is like too much camera for what I need most of the time. And it, I do keep a Sony A7R3 in my bag just because mm-hmm. it's so small. And occasionally I will shoot video with it. Um, but, you know, and also low light. It's like I do still need two cameras just because the phase doesn't it, like low light. It's. Even though it's okay, it's like not like the Sony. So, and if I'm shooting architecture, like anything at night, I'll just have that camera just so I can make something decent and not spend all night trying to get it. Can you tell me a bit about lighting as well? Because, like, you know, when I look at uh, the overview page, is a good way for me to do this, is because there's, yeah, you totally. can see it all at once. And like, you have so many different approaches to lighting, but they, yeah, they'll fit, like, in which I, yeah. I don't know how you kind of bring it all together into feeling of, you know, of one artist, but you definitely don't do the same thing all the time. Um, the only, like the only thing I can spot that might be kind of regular is like, you know, maybe gridded flashes, uh, that have like tight focus, but, um, even that's not consistent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, usually I have, I, and for the longest time I, I literally, uh, I just used an alien B, mm-hmm. you know, with a battery pack. I'm still on alien B's today. Yeah, I mean, there should be no shame with those lights. I mean, I seriously used the same one for 15 years, and it mm-hmm. never failed me. And I never even had to change the flash tube on it. I mean, yeah. it was like incre- incredible for the value for that light. 
And what I just liked about them was they're pretty high-powered, you know, if you get the, the more high-powered ones, and just super compact. So, you know, like I said, like I like doing most of this stuff by myself, and I do have an assistant for certain jobs, but I, ju- I want to be able to walk into a place and make a portrait of someone with everything that I need on my back. So one light, just to have it. I'll favor natural light if I can use it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, one light, a softbox, maybe a grid. But uh, that's like my jam. And I take a million photos. Like I take, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. you know, not 900,000 of them are just garbage. <laughs> you know, so much of this like comes out of the edit and it's like, oh, like I can do a, a shoot, you know, and like have tons of looks. And really it's just one picture. I'm just trying to get one great photo that's like what I need from a shoot. It's great if I can walk away with more, but that's kind of the goal. These days, these days I do use Profoto, the the B10 pluses. Yeah. Um, and that is just such a game changer because like that batter, it's so yeah, yeah, small. Yeah. No, it's, it's those just are crazy. Like that feels like the future. It's here. the future. Yeah. It's um it's incredible. I mean, you know, like the alien bees were always small, but I had to carry like this lithium battery pack, yeah, which clunky. was also small. It's cl- yeah, it's just like a big plug to mm-hmm. plug in, you know, like a cord. You know, it's it's just ridiculous. And, but now with the, these pro photos, this tiny battery, and it I don't even need a pocket wizard because the phase it's just like built in uh, transmitter. So it just works. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's that's like totally changed my shoot flow. Other nice things um, on them as well is that the the modeling lights are now fantastic and can actually be used as consistent light in a pinch. Um, so you know absolutely. we were we were doing a commercial the other day where um, I was shooting video and then uh, Jason, who's who's been on the show a few times and is working with us lately um have, has them uh, brought his pro photos and so we had like i had most of my light was coming out of these big apertures that are blasting into the room and then he was you know he needed the extra output of the strobes but his modeling lights were becoming fill and catch lights for me as well like they were actually part of the the video lighting so having that ability to mix them together and you like if you're traveling like if you're really doing something remote and you just had those you could do you could do it like a, a full you know photo video thing which i know you're saying you don't love doing both but <laughs> i i like to do both so for me it would be it'd be great um, yeah if you want if yeah. you want to foot the bill they're, oh. not, they're not cheap but they're definitely not cheap but it, it is worth the investment it's just they're just amazing. <laughs> it's one of the best photo products I've gotten in a long time. Um, and it's it's just so nice to see like the technology evolving in such a good way and really helpful. Well, and especially um, when it really enables you to do something new. That's the, all of this, you know, watching YouTube videos of reviews of products that you want to buy and uh, adding things to your wish list on B&H is about finding that one piece of gear that will totally change your work. That's going to change your workflow. You're going to be, you know, 10 years from now saying like, I couldn't live without it. And we buy hundreds of different things, all hoping that each of them will be one of those things. But in reality, I mean, things don't come along that often that really stick and really matter. So I don't know. I, I anyway, definitely end up following a lot of 
you know, dead ends to, to, to buying gear that doesn't matter at all to me. But sometimes I feel like I kind of need to because something jumps out at me and it is the only thing I use forever. So, Oh, yeah, definitely. With, you know, the pro photo, it's like, I don't think it changed the way I shot. It just made my yeah. life easier and better. And that that means so much, especially, you know, especially just being out there, like just lighten the load. It like one of the worst things about being a photographer is the gear we kind of have to just schlep around oh, all yes. the time, you know? So it's like anything to just like reduce that is just, it's beautiful. Do you have any sort of go-to lighting modifications? You know, I think a lot of the time when you're shooting this sort of like downstage where there's like a flash and the person's in a landscape that feels pretty hard, like maybe it's bare bulbs, um, but then obviously some stuff's diffused. Do you have any preferred ways of shaping your light? Yeah, not real. Most of the time it it is hard. It's just like a, a reflector on the, mm. the light. I, I do have a softbox, but you know they're small and from far away, they don't really do much. Yeah. Um, I do use a Fotec for like a, a tight portrait. Like I think the Fotex are really just a pretty soft box to use. But yeah, I mean, not really. I'm like so much of my stuff is like it's not complicated at all. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's really basic. Um, even just like a nice bounce off a white wall. <laughs> you, know, you know, like turn the light around and just bounce it on oh, something sure. white. That's it's like, just like one, half my one of the best <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I love like putting a light outside. If I'm shooting inside and just blasting a light through a window, that's one of my go-tos for whatever reason. Well, no, that's something that I've started learning a lot more about lately in terms of filmmaking. It's a lot of where if you're shooting video and you want it to look like Hollywood, putting lights indoors never feels like the movies. Not never, sorry. But yeah, yeah. it's really easy to give it away, to give away that you have, you've messed with reality and now you're trying to control it and apparently not succeeding if anyone noticed. Whereas as you come outside, um, what the, and the, the reason for this, the, the thing that causes it is that you're creating a frame for that light to come through and the shadows that fall into the room make sense. So for example, the wall's, like uh, I'm looking at a photo right now where I can see the walls beside the window and those walls go down a bit. Like the level is down from the subject because the light is going past those walls. And then the wall in the back of the room is also going to be down darker than the subject because the the window is a natural cutter. It's a natural flag to remove some of the light in different parts of the room. Whereas if you have even put a soft box in the room, even with a grid or whatever, the way that it spills into the room stops feeling real. It's just not bouncing the way that sunlight would. Yeah, totally. I mean, I guess that's the thing. I mean, I, it, it totally sounds like you're, you approach even your photography from like the film, a film st- standpoint where things need to look real. But like, I've always liked the idea that, you know, and especially lighting and even over lighting and especially outside with strobes, it's so artificial. It's so unreal. It's, surre- mm. you know, it becomes mm. surreal. And I think that's what makes oftentimes compelling still photographs right? because this is just not how you would ever see reality. For sure. I mean, if you look at times where really great professionals have created both photos and videos of the same scene. So, you know, I'm thinking of like when Annie Leibovitz shoots the Star Wars actors for the cover and then you compare it to the movie – 
the lighting approach is not the same as in the movie. Like photography lighting doesn't have to be different, but but typically is. It's you know there's things to be learned both ways, but um, totally they're definitely, they're definitely not the same. I mean, and well, and don't forget like how heavily we can and do retouch our photographs. Not me. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, yeah, but even my work, not a lot, but certainly some. I mean, I work with a guy who is remarkable, and I mean. We are really high, like you know these. The, if you saw the a raw file, you know it, it's night and day. You know, so you you have that ability in a still photo to really just fix things that you just can't do in motion. So you know that that helps. Like, and that's that's why that it often looks so different. And certainly, if you're looking at Annie Leibovitz, like those are composites. Like, you <laughs> yeah, oh for sure. Um, just swapping heads. You know, it's like when you put like 10 people in a frame, take a shot, people are always going to blink. Yeah, for sure. Or just look <laughs> no, slightly. Wrong. There's always a blinker. Just being able to move ahead and then it's like, wow, that photo was perfect. How would you do that? Well, how do you do your how do you approach your post-processing then? So, you're uh, like do you do much of it yourself or you're handing it all off? It's always something that I've been curious about. I mean, we've experimented with third-party post a little bit, but a challenge is that there's not, it's hard to find people that are amazing when you're not in a big city. I mean, you know, you're in New York. I think it was probably easier to, for you to meet your guy than it is for me to meet my guy in Calgary, Alberta. Uh, how do you approach post? Again, it just depends on the job, what kind of budget we have and what we're trying to achieve. The the guy who I use, he's I originally met him. We we probably never even met in person. You know, we didn't meet for years after starting to work together. Mm. He he was in Boston at the time. Now he is in New York, but we actually have a you know a Slack channel that we work together on you know on and with, and so we're always communicating that way when we're working on a photo. But it it really just depends on what we need to achieve. Like you know, especially like higher end commercial photography, like, you know, there's a certain amount of perfection that is needed. Yeah. And personally, I'm, I'm terrible at Photoshop. Like I barely know how to use like <laughs> layers, you know, but there are like moves that I do, like, you know, when I'm processing a raw file, like there's like a way I like to process it out. And oftentimes I'm shooting and the photo I get is pretty close to done, but I do like to hand it off to him when I can. And when he has the time, it's it's so subtle oftentimes, like, but it really, you know, just cleaning it up in ways that like, yeah, I can use a clone tool and like kind of fix the grass or whatever, but it's never really, really right unless I like give it to him because he'll do it right. Yeah. That said, if it's just going to be on Instagram, I'll do it and you never know. But if we're going, if it's going to print or if it's, you know, if I want to make a large print of a work, it's always good to have a second set of eyes on it just to really like tighten it. The people that are at extremely high levels are not common because when you when you watch tutorials there's nobody giving away the 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 good info on the internet like people that are extremely talented at this just are working, you know, they're spending their time working on it. So a lot yeah, of the time totally. when you try to find more information about how do the pro pro pros do it, they're not they're just not spending the time telling anyone else. So um, you know, you kind of have to start learning either from personal contacts, either coworkers or friends or teaching it to yourself. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think a lot of that comes from like 
it's so, so simple. <laughs> you know, if you give it away, like, it doesn't seem all that impressive. Um, <laughs> right. Like a, yeah, like a magic trick. And that, yeah. And then also like, it's just like, it's just tedious. Mm. And do you want to spend your time doing that? I mean, the guy I like to work with, like he's someone who like it, wants to help serve the photographer, you know, like really help facilitate the final image in the best way possible. That's his, you know, his mentality when approaching it. It's not like he's also trying to take photos on the side, you know, mm-hmm. like he wants to be a photographer also, but he's retouching for on the side. Yeah. An example that I've, I think I've learned is that when you're retouching skin at a really high level, like if you're just trying to clean it up and you want it to look perfectly natural, I just, I don't think there is a shortcut. No. And I know people search for it based on the tutorials that go out there, but like, there's nothing you can just apply to the whole image that will ever work forever, like, th- that works at all. I mean, if, it, if it's being applied to more than a few pixels at a time, it's going to look problematic. You know, it can work, it can pass on Instagram, but um, yeah, I mean, you just got to get in there real close with a clone tool and, uh, you know, just oh, yeah, totally. yeah, be very selective about I it. I mean, one thing is like, it's super time consuming and it's not cheap. So I guess, you know, those are things too. It's like, you know, this is a highly skilled thing that requires a lot of time. So, like, yeah. oftentimes you're going to yeah, pay there's no for shortcuts. It. So, do you have any non-photography things on your mind lately? Uh, I, I, any tech you're into? Any uh, movies you like? Any books you read? Hmm. Well, you know, I'm I, I raise chickens, so I'm pretty into oh, yeah. like. I just followed your chicken account. It's kind of a hobby. <laughs> But having that like is super fulfilling. I learned so much about so many things. Just having these chickens, they're amazing. They're amazing animals. There's so much about them I never knew. I think there's so much about chickens. People just have no idea. The idea of a chicken in your head, it, oftentimes it's just like a big yellow bird, I think. I think I said a moment ago that you're in New York and that might put the confusing image into some people's minds, but you um, are, are now oh, yeah. out of New York. Uh, so you have some space, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm upstate. I'm about two hours from the city. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's a it's a bit more country. I have land and a garden. You did a series of Instagram stories showing the build out of your like the conversion of your barn into a studio, and it, it's funny because it coincided with my wife and I were like looking around at, you know, there's we're in a place with a ton of land around us, and we're like that'd be kind of great to just be in the middle of nowhere and have like a bit more space. And then I watched your video. I'm like, this is what I want to do for a studio. Cause I, I just love that idea. Like, you know, having a relatively large amount of space, it can be separated from other things. You've got great light in there. It's very nice. Congrats on the barn studio. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, I did, I did that about six years ago now, which is kind of crazy I, um, that it's been that long that I've been there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it was always kind of a goal of mine. I, I, I used to have the big studio in Williamsburg, but, you know, it was kind of dark. And That's a lot of people's goals uh, today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's, it's a great goal. I don't know how it's possible. It's mm-hmm. so expensive. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at a certain point, it was just like, meanwhile, I didn't necessarily have to be in the city all the time. I was traveling a lot for work, and it was like, I make the photos that I really like to make upstate and on the road. How about instead of just throwing it at rent, I find something that, I can own and like make my own. Mm-hmm. So that really like helped uh, 
with that in mind, it like, I was like, I'm going to do this. And it, however naive that is, you know, most of the things, even just getting into photography, it's like, I'm just going to do this, whatever. <laughs> I'll figure out how, how it works later. Yeah. Um, dedicate yourself to like making it happen. It's funny because I was able to build out, like convert a barn into my studio in a couple months, within a few months of even just moving upstate New York. And now I have like, like a tiny bathroom I can't even re- redo. You know, it's like, I can't do bathrooms, but I, a, a white room that I can work in, like I can convert that, no problem. But uh, yeah, I mean, working in an environment like that, it's just, it, to me, it just feels good. It's fun. You know, it's like, we think in light. It's just, it's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. I was working in, a, in New York City, like it's always dark, like no matter where you go. You know, and unless you're super wealthy and you, you're up high and you're facing southwest, it's just dark in your place. And being able to not live like that anymore has like it's changed my life. I mean, I feel so much better all the time. It's just an inspiring place to work in. Did the shift to silence and more alone time? Um, like now that it's been a while, I'm sure it felt great for a while, but does it ever feel too quiet and like you miss the things going on or are you just totally at peace with it? I'm totally fine. You know, Living in the city, it just felt like something I had to do. And I also grew up on Long Island. Mm. You know, I was always going into the city and just growing up near the city. Like it was totally a thing that you could do and going to school there, it's it's good. I Starting there, no doubt, you know, is how like, I was able to build a career, but um, I'm not really like looking back, missing it. I was never into like going out. It's just not something I do. I'm like, I'm not missing like any bars. The -hmm. restaurants, certainly uh, the food thing, you know, I cook, but very simple stuff. So I certainly miss the food at certain points, but at the same time, it's okay. I mean, I do make (laughs) my way, I, I make my way back couple times a month so it's it's fine i'm sure you have some great Um, eggs yeah the i mean it's it's funny too a fresh there's nothing better yeah at first i wasn't sure i was like i think these might just you know supermarket eggs or Mm -hmm. it's what's the difference Mm -hmm. there's a there's a big difference (laughs) yeah i believe it i mean i really discovered how different eggs could be i think it was last year we were in london and i started after ordering eggs a few times i'm like all of these english eggs are completely different from American eggs. What's going on? Like they're really orange and they're much thicker, less less runny. Totally. And every egg I've had since I came back, I'm like, this isn't a real egg. Yeah. Uh, our supermarket eggs are garbage. It's it's true. I mean, that's you know they're totally edible, but it, there's nothing yeah, they're, better. Okay, they're not garbage. Yeah. There's nothing better than that fresh egg. And it's funny because for a couple months. My chickens weren't laying. They just they tend to not lay in the winter when mm-hmm. it gets darker. They just started up again. It's just wonderful because they're so delicious. So yeah, I mean, I highly recommend raising chickens if you can. You know, it is a lot of work. You do need help. You can't. Yeah, how, just how much leave work them. is it? Like time wise, in a week. I mean, well, just they just need to be tended to. So mm-hmm. there does need to be someone there in the morning to let them out of the coop you know, in the evening to lock the coop up and, of course, to, like, change water and give them more food. So you can't just do it if no one's going to be around. All right. So when we move to our farmhouse, I'll ask you for chicken advice. Absolutely. Ask you about the phase one. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I got a lot of things I got to follow up with you about. So I came across your work. I knew uh, 
I follow you on Instagram mostly. I've watched a few of your videos. I'm just curious, you know, I, I've gotten really into the idea of like influencer culture, right? <laughs> you seem so like ca- counter-influencer culture, I, well, I would have guessed. I, I'm into things that, you know, I'm into a lot of, you know, as we talked about before, like, you know, my work is very broad. It's funny. I mean, it's it's almost too bad I went to art school, right? Because it like <laughs> filled, it filled my head with like this idea of like having to have integrity the world so, <laughs> gained an artist and lost an influencer. <laughs> you know, I I came up, I don't know, I guess technically I grew up in the 90s. And, you know, that's when I was like in my teens. You know, the music I listened to, punk, post-punk yeah, stuff. And it's like the idea of selling out, right? Man, I think about this so much. Like selling out was literally the worst thing you it's could the, do. The, the worst, worst thing you could do. Yeah. You know, like if you if you sold to a commercial, you're a fucking sellout. Yeah. Like that's yeah. it. Like you're you're over, you're canceled. There was an, you know. There was a great like reaction video on YouTube recently. Somebody went around asking a bunch of not millennials, what are the kids called right now? Kids, kids now. What is selling out? Yeah. Just like what does the term mean? And they were just like, I don't, I don't know. What are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, so I, th- I that's that's amazing to me. And like I my generation probably sounds like you're what's are we the same age we're roughly the same age yeah i think i'm just a little younger i always you know wasn't interested in being like a starving artist Mm -hmm. i'm pretty pragmatic person yeah you want to have your chickens in your phase one yeah exactly like i want simple man (laughs) you know i I just want to live like a nice comfortable life you know i don't want to be like sleeping on couches or anything Mm -hmm. in pursuit of my art so when i looked at photography, you know, and I got into photography and I I love the art of photography. This is great, but like you can also shoot a campaign and make a bunch of money, Mm -hmm. you know, and then why can't you do both? You know, it's, it's kind of the timing of it, but it was like, it started getting into where musicians were like selling their, their songs to commercials. That was okay. You have to make money in this world. Um, You know, unfortunately it's kind of the way it is, the, the society we live in, like for sure. People don't buy music like they used to. And people just like... Ask Moby how he feels about selling out. Well, right. So Moby is like the start of it. That record, literally every song was sold to a commercial, right? And And it's it's no less beautiful of a record because he did well off of it. You know, that said, like you, it's, it's hard to listen to any of those songs and... Not um, see a Ford in your head or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, with music, like there's a balance, but... um, I always just thought you could mix it and, you know, and live a good life doing that. But in the back of my head, I struggle with it. And especially like on a platform like Instagram, where it is mostly 95% personal work, posting something that's like sponsored, that doesn't, that's not just something I would make. It's something that I'm posting just Mm -hmm. to like, you know, sell something. Yeah. That like makes me, deeply uncomfortable but i've done i've done it a few times Mm -hmm. it was like they're the hardest captions i've ever had to write in my entire life (laughs) yeah spent days like thinking about but you know these days it's like you know even the best podcasts that i listen to like in the middle of it it's interrupted by a commercial read people that's just what we did they're commercials in the feed i guess you know it should be okay it just feels so not okay for whatever reason when it's you Um, yeah, when it's me. Yeah, no, I um, mean, I don't think it's a. Depending who you are, I, I, I definitely don't think it's easy. It's not easy for me anyway. But 
I just, I really try to look at the people that I respect and follow their path because I don't, there's, it really is all over the place and depends on the world that you're used to and the world that you're in. And, you know, a great example is if you look at the sort of fashion and lifestyle categories on Instagram, it's just built into the culture of it from the beginning. Um, with, with fashion stuff, I know like there's, there's been plenty of people that will do artificially sponsored posts or imply that things were gifted to them. It's, it's the opposite of hating selling out. It's like selling out is the badge of honor. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can't relate to that. I mean, that's incredibly <laughs> strange to me. I fully don't get it. But uh, yeah, it, like, like you say, at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm not adverse to making a living from work that I do. So I think it's just that like, first you need to know the space that you're in because I think you can't just be somebody running a nature photography Instagram account. You know, I have some friends with incredible Instagram accounts all over the world, beautiful mountain shots, beautiful valleys, whatever. And then all of a sudden in the next one, you're holding a bottle of perfume in the middle. (laughs) If the expectation isn't set for the people that are following you, it is not, I, I, I would be frustrated. You know, even as somebody that posts those, I want the feed. I want to somewhat know what I'm going to get from accounts that I follow, and I'd also say that it's it's hard to strike a balance in the way that like I sometimes get a negative response from a f- uh, sponsored post as well. Like it's not right. I I definitely don't have it mastered. I don't have it all figured out. But yeah, you know, it's the most important things are that you sort of set a guideline that you understand internally and. I mean, the the biggest thing that I think it needs to be universal is that you're very clear about what is and isn't sponsored. I mean, that's just that's everybody a hundred percent of the time. Is this is this coming from you or is this supporting your endeavors? Like, is is this is this sponsor just helping you do what you do, or do you actually just like the product? Because once you can't tell which is which, it completely cheapens and takes away from anything anything you say like why what, you know why would you believe anything you say if we're not clear about what you're being paid to say and not so um, there's yeah cor- no doubt like well just from an ethical cor- standpoint. corners of the internet that are terrible yeah yeah i mean i guess the thing is like when you start using your own platform to show that work like it just feels like potentially everything is suspect even the stuff that mm-hmm. might not be yeah because like personally like i have no problem doing commercial campaigns for anyone but like I'm under no obligation to post that. I only yeah, post right. it if I'm proud of it, right? But when it's like the you know the reason you're being asked to make this is to essentially like explo- <laughs> yeah, yeah. E- exploit the viewer you know the viewership that you have grown totally. Um, that's where it feels uncomfortable, and it's like it's why I grapple with it. But then I look you know I look at the work that you make and you put up and like. I think you're an incredibly talented photographer. Like your work is like, it's solid. Like it's, it's great commercial work, but it almost feels like you're almost all sponsored posts. Mm-hmm. Does it, is that not true? Well, like, no, I mean, at this point, it, it, it has happened that they're all sponsored and I try to avoid that. Um, I'm going to pull up my feet and get a sense of what's going on. It's, I'd say like every third ends up being sponsored ab- about that. You know, because it, and it's funny for me because this is also sort of piggybacking off of what I was doing with my wife for a long time, and and I also have to like any yeah totally. I have to spread the the credit as well for like any compliments to the photography work that I do. Like you know, most of it she is making all of the art direction decisions 
a lot of the shoots, she pulled the whole thing together and I'm just executing it. And it, so I just always want to make sure that people know, you know, the, the two sides of it since I'm the one talking out loud a little more often. But from her account previously, it, it is more in that fashion lifestyle world where everybody's just completely used to it. So my first right. sponsors were all coming through her clients being like, oh, they, you know, we have something that uh, could we, we'd like to have a male, uh, you know, quote unquote influencer show. So, uh, you know, they, they already knew my name. And so I got added to the list. Um, and well, actually, and since I use the word, I want to quickly say what I think about the use of that word and how I use it or how anybody should use it. It is an industry term. Like that's, it makes sense and is very usable internally to either uh, PR agencies, marketing agencies, um, them talking amongst each other about the the category of people that they want to reach out to to promote their product. That category is influencers. That I totally get the need for that to be a word, but it's spread outside to mainstream to become a mainstream idea that is not applicable most of the ways that it's used. And also, it shouldn't ever be self-referential. The idea that the the point of what you're doing is to try to influence other people to do a thing is an incredibly boring reason to live. I, I think if anybody ha- cares about your opinion, it should be for another reason, because you are doing some kind of work that they enjoy. But that was a bit of a tension. Yeah. Well, so do you think in a way, like, you're, the work that you're making, it's mostly, is it your wife or your girlfriend? Yeah, wife, yeah. Like, yeah, so it's like you're helping facilitate her work, right? Like, yeah. I know you collaborate together, but like because of that and the skill that you have you have making that work, then it becomes, like that's almost your, that's your personality, right? Or like that's like your thing, making, you're, I, I'm doing a really bad job articulating <laughs> what I'm trying to say here, but it's like, I'm trying to figure out like what, how people came to you in the first place. You know, you, you were making photos for your wife before, I assume before you had your, your own platform. Yeah. Or like, was it like, so, and like. Yeah. So, well, our, our origin was that she had a, a blog of her own that started off like an old school blog, like, you know, reposting inspiration from other people, just yeah, writing yeah. sometimes. Uh, and gradually she got more and more into her own photography where she was she was shooting street style, she was shooting fashion, um, and then posting shoots that other people were doing of her as well. So it was just kind of all of the, her creative endeavors. And eventually the idea of a fashion blog became more solidified just as an idea around us, like not, you know, something we invented, but it just, it was happening. And there was a bit of a template for how you do that. And um, so people, PR companies are just looking for places to get awareness out. And they found her, I mean, through like some of it through personal contacts, some of it just because they're Googling for the specific market that they want to reach. And then before that I was doing, just photography, uh, first stock photography is where I started, then commercial photography. And then once we met, we started doing all of those things all together all the time. So, and again, like I just, I'm not an idea guy. Like I'm so much more an execution guy. So I'll show up with the gear and totally. make it look as good as I can. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's very helpful for me to have somebody that can 
tell me what isn't, isn't a good idea to shoot. What looks good? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. And you know, you certainly like educate your audience with the stuff that you're showing off. I mean, I think I think it's great. I you know, I started watching your stuff, and you know, I've I've learned a lot, and I, I think I've even bought stuff based on your recommendation. Oh, cool. So like, I think it's it's really good. Like you're doing the the job that you're supposed to do. I mean, I guess just I just like to have different opportunities. So I, I in my mind, I think it's just interesting to me to think about the idea of doing that kind of thing. But I guess, I guess also what holds me back besides the idea of like selling out is like, I'm just like such a cynical person. Like, I don't want to lose, like feel like I lose the ability to be like, everything sucks. Like just saying, you know, just saying that, like, and then, a, you know, if someone wanted to work with me, they'd be like, yeah, well, he's kind of, he's, <laughs> he's, a, depre- the he's that, a depressed, yeah. he's a depressed asshole, you know, who like doesn't, re- you know, he's only doing this for money, obviously. Like, um, do we believe that? But I wonder if there's a way to bridge that there, gap. There is. It's, I mean, it closes some doors for sure. Like the, <laughs> yeah. the, the way that I, the way that my Instagram photos are, probably they wouldn't be interested in somebody cynical. But the kind of stuff that fits well with that is, People that sponsor podcasts, for example, I think that can always fit. And uh, same with a lot of the YouTube sponsors. I mean, the, the way that if I don't know if you've ever seen H three H three, no. Uh, so he has a he's a YouTuber, like very big YouTuber, and has a podcast, and is just such an asshole and very sarcastic, and you know, like the classic classic potty mouth, but has no problem getting sponsors because there's just sort of this. You know they're aware of who he is, and they're like, "Look, we right. know that you. We know that people trust you and believe you because you're never going to pull any punches. Right? Um, you are going to say exactly what you think, no matter what. And I think that also buys you. They're in a way they're paying for that relationship you already have. I also think Casey Neistat does this well. His personality is no bullshit, and that gets this more direct connection. So when he's like, "Look," uh, Samsung sponsored this campaign and I really appreciate it. The audience really knows what that means and there's a lot of clarity about it. So when there, I think it works best in, in for somebody like you, it works best when there is content being presented that people already want to watch and then you let them know, look, this was made available because brand X uh, provided the funding to allow me to put my time into it. Yeah, totally. So... So I, what I'm suggesting is in the middle of the everyday video, you could have a few interruptions <laughs> where, uh, you know. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the the music actually creates a big problem, but that's a whole different story. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, um, I, I think um, the everyday lives very well on, on its own. Do you ever think about just doing like um, YouTube, like talking YouTube? Yeah, but you know, like I said, and it's probably before we started recording, like I just, I won't listen to this. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's, I've been in, commercials and things where it's just my face but i i don't feel comfortable talking on video mm. at all like it's like it's, nobody does nobody feels comfortable everybody yeah. hates it <laughs> but it's okay th- there's a very good reason to do it though and then to edit it yourself because you become so much more aware of what is, oh, is totally. wrong with you yeah, yeah. which that's the thing that it that hurts <laughs> that's why it feels so bad at first and yeah. i i'm now i still have a lot of flaws in how I speak and, and things I, uh, ticks and, you know, weird stuff, but I know what they are. 
I try to do better at them and I know that I've dropped some of the worst of them. Um, and I wouldn't have if somebody else was editing it for me and if I never went back and listened to it. Yeah, so it, it's a sort of, you know, hard look in the mirror to, to see like, okay, I do say like too often. I do wish I stopped saying totally and um and ah and all these little, little details that we all have and you, but realizing exactly what yours are, the biggest way you can improve it, I find, is to try to replace it with silence. You don't need to speak through it. You don't need to force the next word out. Um, when I don't know what I'm going to say next and and I'm on my A game, I pause <laughs> instead, of, instead of anything else. And you, that awareness definitely comes up as you re-listen to yourself and re-watch yourself more and more. So, All right, coach. <laughs> you can do this. I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> You're going to influence. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's great. I mean, that's it, great advice. I'm always thinking oh, about it. Okay, but also, there's. I think there's room for high-end professionals to be speaking to other professionals as well. Like there is this, so I'm kind of going back to the idea of like influencing. I mean, I'm always looking for people to tell me more about, you know, why would I choose between House of Blood and Phase 1? You know, what what really matters in high-end commercial photography? All sorts of choices that we all need to make. And a lot less people are going to watch that or, or... or even know about it or care about it, but the businesses that make a living from it still need to reach those audiences. Uh, I think a good example of somebody doing this at a very high level is if you look at the Airy channel, like uh, cameras, um, they'll have interviews with the directors that are working with their stuff. They do all these educational pieces. Um, you know, I don't think they're like doing paid influencer stuff, but I know people make people end up making money by working with these big companies because the word needs to get out about their products and what they do to other people that are going to spend a ton of money on these products and there's there's room in between there and you know I, I it's not as common of a thing to to you know monetize but i think there's there's place for professionals as well yeah we'll see i mean it's one of those things it's like i mean i guess it's the fraud complex no matter how you know where I am in my career, I'm still going to be like, I <laughs> yeah. don't. Who am I yeah, to? Yeah. Who am I to be the guy who says that this is the right thing to do? You know, it's just kind of the way that I do it. But like, there are other people who might speak better and more articulate, who are more articulate about this topic, and also like are more technical. So much of what I do is it's almost like accidents. Well, no, no, you know, no but like that's happy what, That's the thing is the people that talk the most. Either, either they're doing it just because they have the confidence, and a lot of the time that doesn't necessarily mean they have the knowledge, or they're pure technical and what they're actually creating is not very interesting. Um, yeah, well, it's funny because absolutely, and that's always, you know always been the case since the beginning of the internet, right? But I guess if we're you know if I'm busy working, like I don't have time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have time to do to make that video. Also, that said, like, and it's almost new for me to be like speaking out as much. And I have this new newsletter now. Like, I always kind of believed in like the myth of the artist, mm-hmm. you know, and like once they start talking, like, it's a great way to like ruin that. <laughs> yeah. For yeah. so long, like, I never said anything. No one knew what I sounded like. And I think that just like adds a layer to the work that is, is special. Yeah. Where's that coming from? Yeah. It's a mystery. And that's so nice, mm-hmm. you know, but the, but the world has changed so much now. No one really cares about that. We do from our generation. Cause it was like, you know, there was that, that no selling out thing and that like pure artist thing. But 
I don't know. You know, maybe you know. We get older, things change. Yeah. Kind of just want you know want to start talking a little bit more. So I don't. It, these are just things I'm thinking about. And when I you know I look at your stuff, I'm just always so curious how where it came from, where you stand on it. Well, I've been reading your I've been reading your newsletter, and it's influenced me. So uh, everybody, go sign up for it, and that's a great place for you to start. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Thanks. I mean that that's fun. That that that, that said, like. Man, when I said I was going to do that once a week, what a big mistake. <laughs> it's it's so much work. I mean, yeah. some of them have been really long and I'm like this year I'm going to like definitely scale them down a bit. Um, they're tons of fun to work on, but it's like that return on investment. It's like I'm better off just like posting Instagram stories cuz like I get thousands of more views on it than the people who sign up to my newsletter. Well, if you if you can get the signups, everything I hear is that the response rate from email is enormous. It's much better than kind of anywhere else. Like people click and read emails in a way that they don't interact with anything else. So, oh, totally. I mean, I I love the the newsletter medium. I think I think it's really a good place to be, and especially since like with the, you know these platforms that we use and like you know Instagram, it's Facebook. It's like it's just the worst. And you know, if there's one app we know we're not going to delete its email. Yeah, totally. We're always checking our email, hoping that that one email is going to come through and save our lives. <laughs> and that, so like, I think it's going to come from your newsletter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, at least, at least you're checking, you know, and, and there I am, you know, so open it up and it does, you know, and it's totally free. So, Hey, what have you got to lose? Sometimes I'll even send you a postcard. Maybe. Oh wow, that's uh, nice. Well, oh, you know, you know, uh, what, you domestic, know how, domestic only. You know how man, far back internet. it goes that I follow you. Uh, you. Do you remember you you did a magazine thing on like a print it myself kind of? Totally, Mad Cloud. Yeah, I did. It was called Kalina Magazine. I bought. Yeah. I bought at least one of those. Oh my god! Ma- wow. So you, yeah, that was a I while mean, ago, right? I mean, I guess that was 2008. Maybe it was probably yeah. a little bit after my video. I mean, amazing. That you've gone back that far, yeah. And I, I mean, I I'm, sorry, I I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm new to your work. I had no idea. No, I mean, I know someone shouted you out, like they that I became aware of you because they said that they heard you talk talk about my drone work on your podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, I'm gonna check that out because I I, I want to hear people talk about me. Well, you know, what? there's people much more interesting than me that I haven't discovered yet either. So, <laughs> <laughs> thanks again for cool. coming on the no. Yeah, definitely. Talk to you soon.